What is up, everyone? It is your boy, The Tank. It's Wednesday at noon, and I am here to talk to you about college and NFL football for the next hour on Weagle 91.1 FM. Let's not waste any time and get on with the show. What is up, everyone? It is your boy, The Tank. We're back for the, I believe, the third installment of Tank Talks Football. And what a week of college football we had uh, this Saturday. Uh, of course, you know, Auburn lost. But, you know, we all pretty much expected to lose that game. You know, Auburn uh, had some very big mistakes that hindered us from winning that game. Of course, 19 drops isn't really helpful in the big scheme of things. Uh, it seems like Auburn... When you're when you're in the goal situation, you really should be running the ball with Tank Bigsby. There was a there was one down we had inside on the goal line or in the goal area, where Auburn went four downs without giving it to Tank once. I know we're getting like really into the show quickly, but it's I it bothered me so much. I've never been more mad at a game that I knew Auburn was going to lose. Uh and. The 19 drops from receivers is ridiculous. I, I don't know if that's the correct stat. It very well might not be, but it sounds correct in the big in in reality because I just know there were so many passes. Bo had had it on the money, and either Demetrius Robertson or Shedrick or Schenker or someone they would just drop it. They were all catchable passes. Bo was Bo played a really good game. And it doesn't look like it because of all the drops that he had. Of course, he threw his first pick, which bounced right off of Sean Shivers' hands into the hands of a Georgia defender, giving them good field position. And, of course, they led to them scoring on that very drive. Uh, but, yeah, and on the defensive side of things, I get that you think Georgia's going to run the ball all the time, but you cannot run man the entire game. Man works, zone works. They don't work whenever this is the primary scheme of the defense. I mean, you can run man all game you want on like NCAA 14 or Madden, and it works because it's cheese. But in real life, in the real game scenario, you need to switch up the scheme a little bit. Run some zone. Auburn got lit up by a three-star wide receiver named Lad McConkey, who had five catches for like 120 yards. And he burnt every single one of our defenders because we had him in one-on-one coverage, which you can just never do, especially, you know, being an Auburn fan my entire life. Auburn has never been good when it comes to one-on-one scenarios. Uh, Roger McCreary is a great corner, but he cannot cover one-on-one the whole game. That just tires out a corner. I get you wanted to put more pressure on Sesson Bennett. It didn't work. And they were able to get – they were able to win, of course, by 24 points, which was really hard to watch. Uh, and then uh, I'm just going to keep it in the SEC, uh, moving on to the next game. Uh, of course, Ar- looking at Arkansas Ole Miss, holy crap, there was no defense in this game. I don't know what the scheme was. I felt like Arkansas had a good enough defense to where they could have had better stops. Or more stops. It just was not the case today that on Saturday. Of course, Ole Miss won fifty-two to fifty-one because Arkansas's uh, decision to go for two. I I like 
the uh, I I like that he had the, the the gonads to go for it at that scenario, but holy crap, you cannot go for that in a game in a game like this. You are a one loss team. You are still very much in the hunt for like a top ten spot, maybe in a college football playoff spot, depending on how Bama season goes after what happened Saturday. More on that later on, but. I get you wanted the win then and there because you didn't think your defense could make a stop. And but Ole Miss's defense was not getting any stops. I think you just take your chances on overtime. I think Arkansas had the edge on defense, and I and you get just one good stop. Arkansas moves the ball, they score and win in overtime. But fifty two fifty one, Arkansas failed because of two point conversion that was a terrible play call. And total yardage, they had almost thirteen hundred total yards. Holy crap. This is not your typical SEC game. This is a Big 12 game, which makes sense because Arkansas is a former Big 12 team. But that that is ridiculous. Those are – that I don't know how, as a team, you're just, allow, you're just allowing over 500 yards to another team. Unless you're like a Vanderbilt or you know one of these or a UConn I could tell you give up that much yards but these are two this is two top 15 caliber teams possibly two top 10 teams in all honesty cuz you know college football is weird this year but just no defense whatsoever and going to use no defense as a tangent to move on to LSU LSU is now down their top two corners the best corner duo in college football going into the season with Derek Stingley, who was still out, and Eli Ricks just uh, Ed Orgeron just announced a few hours ago that Eli Ricks will be out for the year due to uh, surgery. So LSU is now worse than they were. They're of course three and three now. They just lost forty-two to twenty-one to the Kentucky Wildcats. Kentucky is now six and zero for the first time since nineteen fifty. But the big question about this game is how is Coach O still employed? I think he should have been fired possibly after the Auburn game. I think Auburn should have been the cause for another LSU coach to get fired. But it's ridiculous that he's just able to keep coaching. and They pay him so much money to lose games, to not compete, to just play not unlike an LSU team would. LSU is supposed to be a top three West team. It's supposed to be the team that you expect to like compete with Alabama every year because you know LSU just brings in that kind of talent every year. But a three and three start, losing to a UCLA, losing to Auburn, losing to losing to Auburn in Tiger Stadium at that, and then losing to Kentucky, which hasn't happened since like '07. This is not a good look for Coach O, and I still am not really sure as to why he is still employed by LSU. Of course, you mean it could be the the lack of coaching uh, coaches that are currently unemployed. Because I mean, you can just get Clay Helton, uh, a few other guys. You can try to pull in some a group of five guys. You can get Tom, not a Tom Herman, but like a Dana Holgerson caliber player who's turned is turned turned Houston around. Coach O is just he's not. I would not even put in my top like ten coaches in the SEC. I can I see so many better coaches than Coach O right now. He is a good recruiter. He's a good uh, like friend on the team. You know, players love him. Of course, they're gonna love him because he's just a football guy. 
but looking at it as a fan of the game, Coach O is not what LSU needs to get back to where they were in 2019. He was not the reason they won that national championship. He was not even like top three reasons. It was the fact that Joe Burrow had a great year. Joe Brady knew what kind of system to run. And the LSU defense was lights out and showed because all of their starters got drafted in that next draft. Coach O just got carried to a national championship. It's kind of like Gene Chizik. Gene Chizik is a big comparison with Ed Orgeron. Coach, uh, Gene had prime Malzahn, Cam Newton, got him a ring, and two years he was out. Ed Orgeron got Joe, Joe Burrow, Joe Brady, got carried to a ring, and two years later, he should be fired. It should be the same exact storyline. Coach O just – he talks a lot of mess about other teams. He'll talk his talk, but he will never back up what he says. And he, you know, he, of course, the meme is like when he said, tell Bama we coming or whatever he said. That, he, that came and went. He is no longer a top-tier coach. He probably never was in all He does not, I think he's like a top 10 highest paid coach, which is baffling looking at it and how the, and I think Jim Harbaugh is also up there, but you know Jim Harbaugh is at least competing right now. You know until they play probably play like an Ohio State or someone of a higher caliber. I, I kind of see the reasons for a tangent to Michigan. Michigan is kind of like Tennessee right now. Tennessee fans will say that they're a top twenty-five team. Michigan fans are saying they're a top ten team. I don't think they've played a quality opponent to justify either of those two statements. I, the best opponent that Tennessee has played is Pitt. And they lost that game. And I can't tell you who Michigan's quality win is. They played Wisconsin, but Wisconsin fresh, was fresh off of losing to Notre Dame. And they had a, they've been, their offense has been moving the ball, yes, but I mean, they haven't been playing any top tier teams. Uh, I'd have to look up their entire schedule, but I, as far as I know, they've not played a single ranked opponent the entire year. And they're about to start getting into that. Series of games we're going to start playing like a Penn State. They're going to start playing a Ohio State in the last game of the season, and even then, if they win out, they're still going to play Iowa in the Big Ten championship. I am. I think Michigan is slightly overrated. I and by slightly, I mean very. I always Michigan is always one of those teams where I you can constantly expect them to be in the or their overrated category. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is just not a good coach. They gave him a contract extension so they can. Make them cheaper to fire, which is funny to me. <coughs> Sorry, and yeah, I, I Jim Harbaugh probably gonna get fired at some point this year. I think the season's probably gonna collapse on itself for him. Same thing with, but I would say same thing with Ogeron, but Ogeron should be fired mid-season at this rate. Uh, and you know, high expectations are very easy to come by at LSU. They're also very easy to come by at the Oklahoma Sooners, where Spencer Rattler, the unanimous number one quarterback going into the season, got benched against Texas in the Red River rivalry. And college football fans are loving every second of this. This is hilarious. If you've seen uh, QB1 Under the Lights, you know who Spencer Rattler is. You know the kind of person that Spencer Rattler is. 
And the fact when whenever I'm I watched this game and I saw Texas get a huge lead, and then Rattler gets taken out, and as soon as Caleb Williams goes in the freshman, he just tears it up. He makes Oklahoma look like they were supposed to look like the entire year. Uh, Caleb Williams stats for the stats in the game. I'm gonna start with Spencer Rattler's actually. Eight of 15, 111 yards, one pick. He also had five carries for negative nine yards in a pick, or not a pick, a touchdown. Uh, and then Caleb Williams goes in, 16 of 25, 212 yards, two touchdowns, and he also had four carries for 88 yards and a touchdown. Caleb Williams has Oklahoma looking like they should have looked the entire year. <coughs> and, oh, sorry about that again. Uh, Rattler, of course, after he got benched, he, whenever Bo got benched against Georgia State, he, he was there on the sideline supporting his team. He was supporting T.J. Finley throughout the entirety of that, uh, like fourth quarter. Whenever T.J. went in, Rattler didn't do that. He's not the kind of guy who he does not support his backups. He does not support his team. He supports himself. That's about it. Once Oklahoma walk, got the walk-up touchdown to win, instead of going to the going to midfield with his team and celebrating, Rattler got seen on camera just walking back to the locker room. Rattler is probably one of the most selfish college football players that we have ever seen in, uh, in like, decades of college football. I mean, even, like, Johnny Manziel wasn't even, like, that egotistical. Uh, other players, I, I find it hard to think of some off the top of my head now. Uh, but... This is ridiculous. He was – this is a guy who has been given everything that he wanted. He was given a starting job, and as soon as he was given it, he just decided not – he's not, he's not going to improve. He's uncoachable. How – you are a bad quarterback if Lincoln Riley cannot turn you into a Heisman winner because he just does that. He made Jalen Hurts a Heisman winner. He turned a walk-on in Baker Mayfield into one. He turned a transfer in Kyler Murray into one. And he was given a number one overall quarterback in his recruiting class, and Rattler is just unable to be coached. And I wonder who will start for TCU. I and I think if Caleb Williams starts, Rattler's gone. He's either going to go get he's going to go to the transfer portal, or he's going to leave for the draft. And if he leaves for the draft, I don't see him going after or before round three, because locker room trouble is a big thing nowadays. If you are not able to be coached, you will not be on a team that long. And we're coming on a break. But when we come back, I'm going to talk Alabama's game and give my dog of the week. And I will also be power ranking my SEC quarterbacks. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the second quarter of Tank Talks Football. I'm going to start off by talking about Alabama losing to unranked Texas A&M. This, it was a good day. I know Auburn lost, but it's so... I'm so happy knowing that Bama lost to an unranked team. Nick Saban's undefeated streak of former assistant coaches is over. Jimbo Fisher actually was the uh, assistant coach that lost the most games to Nick Saban. So it's only right that he gets the first win. Uh, I will say Seth Small's kick uh, to win the game was nice. I mean, you get the video of his uh, girlfriend and mom watching the kick. His girl, uh, she cries, happy tears, of course, gets off the field, gets on the field first and just runs straight for him. Uh, great scene. Uh, but I will say one 
storyline about this game. Uh, A&M had a good lead. They almost let Bama come back. Bama almost stormed right back, but defensive play calling and offensive play calling really hindered them from winning this game. It seemed at some point Bama abandoned the run game in favor of trying to pass the ball. And Bama's defense, of course, the secondary did not look up to par with Alabama's usual like defensive stance. And uh, this brings me to my dog of the week. My second uh, dog of the week, to be exact, is going to be A&M's quarterback, Zach Calzada. 21 of 31, 285 yards, three touchdowns, and of course he had a pick. But he he was a backup going to the season. Haynes King gets hurt. Calzada doesn't really look like a good quarterback up until the point. He looks like an okay quarterback. He's like your game manager. I don't know what game plan Jimbo had for this game, but it worked. Zach Calzada looked like a great quarterback. I know I'm going to talk about it later on my power rankings. He's not very high, but I could see this changing very quickly. I think if they keep this, if they if he keeps playing like he did against Alabama, it'll be he'll be up. There. He'll be in my top ten easy. He's not right now, but he will be if he keeps playing like this. But speaking of which. Let me go ahead and do my power rankings for my SEC quarterbacks. Starting off, I'm going to go 14 to 1 because I feel like that's probably the best way to do this. Uh, 14, I'm going to go with Vanderbilt's QB, Ken Seals. I don't think the back half of these, I don't think they're bad quarterbacks. I just think their team kind of hinders them at points. Ken Seals is the epitome of that. Uh, he's a good quarterback. I think he was like a three, four star. He plays very well for the, the stars he was given. I just think Vanderbilt's team that's around him right now isn't good, per se. I feel like they're re- they're rebuilding, of course, with a new co- coach and whatnot. But until until I see some severe improvement in Vanderbilt's roster, it's kind of hard for me to put him any higher than 14. And at 13, I'm going to go with South Carolina's quarterback, of course, uh, Luke Doty. I think Luke Doty is he's a very athletic quarterback, very good dual-threat guy. But he isn't a pristine passer. I think South Carolina is... South Carolina fans think they're way better than they actually are. Uh, They are barely winning games against these, like, mid-tier teams. They barely beat uh, UA... Did they they play UAB? I forgot who they played. But they barely beat East Carolina. It's it's not a good thing when an SEC team almost loses to a Sunbelt team. I mean, I know I I said don't ever underestimate them because they will sometimes win or they sometimes will upset you. That happened with Auburn. But for an SEC team, it's never good when you allow that to happen. And it and if it wasn't for – I forgot his name. Parker White, the kicker, who's been there for like eight years at this point. If it wasn't for him, East Carolina wins that game. And at 12, I'm here to tick off as many Georgia fans as I can because Stetson Bennett – is 12th. Stetson Bennett is not a great quarterback. He's a good backup quarterback. If he was a backup quarterback, I'd be happy. If I ranked backup quarterbacks, he'd be my number one. But he is not. Uh, He is my 12th best starting quarterback. I think he is just your typical game manager. I think that you put any of these other quarterbacks above him that I have in that same situation... I think they do even better. I think that made Georgia unstoppable. But I think Stephen Bennett is the weak point of this team. I think if a team was able to get pressure on him through that five-star O-line, 
he starts throwing picks. We saw it last year with Alabama when he when he just did not look good. And I just don't think he's that good of a quarterback. I know Georgia fans can get mad all they want, but he's not. And if you think he is, you're biased to your own team. That's all I got to say. No free-thinking football fan thinks Stetson Bennett is a good quarterback. And at 11, I'm going to have my uh, – who else talked about earlier? Zach Calzada. I I probably would have had him lower. I probably had him below Stetson if it wasn't for the Bama game. Uh, I just need to see more out of him. Uh, the first two, three games, I was just not impressed with him whatsoever. But after the Bama game, I'm like, okay, you get my attention. And as the season goes on, if he keeps performing as well as he is, I could see him making a way up until, like, the t- upper half. At 10, I have Connor Bazelak. I think Connor is a good quarterback. I think he's on the way up. I think he is the more poised. I think he's one of the most poised quarterbacks in the SEC. I kind of he's the better quarterback than Ken Seals, and I think I have him low because of the same reason of Ken Seals. I think his team is really hindering him from really maxing out his potential. So that's the only reason he's down this low. And up next we have at number nine we have Emory Jones. Uh, this is gonna be a bit of a hot take, I guess, but Emory Jones is he's a good runner, not a good passer. Uh, I think that if I see more out of him passing, if I see more of an improvement, because he throws a lot of picks compared to his touchdowns. I think he's only like got one less uh, interception than he has touchdowns. This is not good. You never want to have a one-to-one touchdown-interception ratio. Uh, but I think he's a good runner. I think if I think Anthony Richardson though is probably the better quarterback of the two, but Dan Mullen will probably n- will not start Anthony Richardson over Amber Jones at any point this season unless Jones gets hurt. And at eight, I have Kentucky's quarterback, Will Levis. I would have him higher because Kentucky is playing very well, but I think that Kentucky's offense is strictly based on running the ball. So it's kind of hard for me to give their quarterback a higher uh, ranking. I think he's playing very well, but I think uh, this is more centered on the fact that if the run game isn't working, can I trust him to win the game by himself? And I haven't been able to see that just yet. So for me right now, he's at eight. At seven, I have Tennessee's quarterback. Hendon Hooker, uh, he was the backup to Joe Milton to start of the season. Joe Milton started playing very, started playing not so well. Here comes Hendon Hooker, dual threat guy, he's playing very well. I he's the same with uh, Will Levis. I just need to see a little bit more out of him for him to break higher than seven, because I think he's playing up to par with some of these upper guys. But the fact is, I haven't seen Tennessee play a very good opponent for me to say that just yet. And at six, I have Mississippi State's quarterback, Will Rogers. I think he is playing very good. Uh, he is not throwing that many picks. I don't have the stat sheet in front of me, but he's not throwing a lot of picks. He's throwing a lot of touchdowns and a lot of yards because of air raid. But whenever you see an air raid, you expect picks. And he's just not doing that. He's not turnovering the ball like they were doing last year. Uh, I think he has improved a lot under Mike Leach's scheme. I think Mike Leach has, has really pushed this team in the right direction which I was just not expecting going into this year. I think the air raid is somewhat working its way into maybe working, at least up to like a point to where it's a, a threat, not to a point where he's going to be winning a lot of games anytime soon. But I wouldn't be shocked. At five, I have our very own Bo Nix. I think Bo is a top-five quarterback, and I think if anyone disagrees with that, then they really have not been watching him play. 
I had a lot of Georgia fans get mad when I said Bo Nix was better than Stetson Bennett. They called him Bo Picks. Bo has only thrown one pick this year, and that pick was just not his fault. Uh, I think Bo is a quality quarterback. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he'll ever be like remembered as like a great quarterback at Auburn, but I think he'll be remembered as a good quarterback that had a lot of potential, but hindered by a bad coaching staff in his first two years. But I think Bo could very well come back in his senior year and really pop off into like that top three spot if he wanted to. And at four, I have Max Johnson, LSU's quarterback. I think he's also. I, I get him to keep saying playing pretty well. But he's he was up to par with Bat Corral and Bryce Young for a little bit. I think this is also the fact that his team is not very helpful. He just lost his star wide receiver in Keishon Boutte, which I should probably should have mentioned earlier when I was talking about LSU injuries. But I think Max Johnson has been throwing the ball very well. He's not thrown a lot of picks, been throwing for a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. And I think he's the only reason that they have three wins on their uh, box score right now. And at three, I have the Arkansas guy, Baby Cam, as he likes to be called, K.J. Jefferson. K.J. was someone I probably had very low to start off the season because, you know, we haven't seen a lot of him. Now we're seeing how good he actually is. He says he watches the same Cam Newton highlight tape before every game, and he plays like Cam Newton did. Uh, I just think what Arkansas brings in more, like, recruits and whatnot, I think he could be – I think this team is going to, like, really compete for things. But I like Hedda Jefferson, good size. He's throwing the ball very well. He's running the ball very well as well. Uh, he's not throwing any, not a lot of picks either. I, I like Hedda Jefferson. I think that he is probably one of the more underrated quarterbacks in college football right now. And at two, of course, I had the two Heisman front runners. But my ranking of them may surprise you. Because I had number two, I have Alabama's Bryce Young. Uh, I think that these two... Sw- can flip every week in reality, but I think Bryce Young, after that loss, I think that kind of like gave the opportunity for Matt Corral to get the Heisman back. That's why I have Matt Corral at one. But I think these two are very talented. They're throwing for – they can sling the ball. They're scoring. They're not turnovering the ball either. That's the big thing. Like These top five guys are not making turnovers. Uh, and I think Matt Corral right now – it's probably the smart choice for the Heisman. And uh, with that with my power rankings, I'll have a graphic made of that and probably put it on my Twitter. It's at yourboythetank, B-O-I is how you spell boy. Um, and we're coming up on a break in a minute. So before then, I'm going to go through my conference champions. Uh, for the SEC, I have it between Bama and Georgia. And you know what? I'm going to go with Georgia. I think Georgia is the better team right now. And I think Georgia has an opportunity to finally beat Alabama. ACC, weird, weird conference choice here. Because <laughs> I have Wake Forest and NC State as my top two choices right now. And I'm going to go with Wake. I think this is hilarious. I feel like the one year Clemson isn't good. Wake Forest is really good. Uh, Big Ten, it's Iowa or Ohio State. I think Iowa's a good – they have a good defense. I don't think their offense is up to par with Ohio State, so I, I might – I want to say Iowa, but I think Ohio State has this if they if they meet in the Big Ten Championship. Pac-12, I have Oregon or Arizona State, and you know what? I'm going to go with Arizona State. I think Arizona State is playing pretty well, and I think Oregon is kind of wishy-washy at times. And the Big 12 champs, I have either Oklahoma State or Oklahoma if Caleb Williams is their quarterback. If not, I have the Cowboys winning. 
All right, and we're about to go to break. And when we come back, I'm going to start talking about the NFL. Big, big week for the NFL this week. We'll be back. Welcome back to the back half of Tank Talks Football. And with my football show, we go talk about both college and NFL. And for the NFL this week, a lot of big headlines. Uh, of course, Monday, uh, John Gruden announced his uh, resignation after uh, all the emails came up for him. Uh it's uh it's a weird scenario to be put in. Uh I I I think a lot of people are kind of uh downplaying the fact of what happened. I know a lot of like keyboard warriors saying that he was treated very harshly, but I mean I, we live in a day and age where if you say you can't say anything in a scenario where it's going to get seen, even if it's an email. Emails can be found easily. We know that would how politics work nowadays. You cannot just email things and expect it not to be found. And it got found, got leaked. John Gruden has to resign. And he kind of screwed over his team. I mean, the Raiders weren't, were looking pretty good throughout the first three weeks. Went, they're now on a two-game losing streak. I don't know how the, their season's going to play out from here on out, but I think losing their coach is probably key. And I think this is where the downfall of the Raiders happened. I think they were looking good, and I feel like they're about to go downhill from here. Uh, that's all I'm going to say on that matter because, I mean, you could probably see this anywhere else about John Gruden, but uh, it, it's good thing he's gone. Uh, then we have the Seahawks. Uh, Russell Wilson is injured and will be out for a few weeks. It is Geno Smith time in Seattle right now. Former West Virginia quarterback, was a Heisman frontrunner for like half of the season he was playing in. I can't remember what year. I think it was 2012, maybe. Uh, he was front front runner for the Heisman for like six weeks, and then West Virginia just fell apart. He still got drafted by the Jets. He looked like a bust, of course, because uh, he played you know played for the Jets. You're gonna look like a bust at any point in the season. But he played pretty well against the Rams. Uh, he was a few drops really hindered him. He could have beat the Rams, but I, I kind of, I'm very curious as to how this season plays out for the Seahawks with Geno Smith or with uh, Russell Wilson gone. Cause Russell Wilson at points was the only reason the Seahawks could win games. And now without him, I don't know what's going to happen with Seattle. I think they could fall off. They, or they could be just playing very well with Geno Smith. You never know. Cause I mean, if Geno Smith keeps up what he did last week against the Rams, the Seahawks might be in good hands, but, you know, you never know with Geno Smith. He has played well in games, and he's played terrible in games, and you never know which one you're going to get. And last week, I said that Justin Herbert was my MVP. I think he's still my top two. But after what I saw from the Cardinals, I have to change my pick to Kyler Murray. The Cardinals are the only undefeated team left. Uh, Kyler is playing lights out. It's a good thing. One... Well, I almost said good thing one Oklahoma quarterback's playing well, but I mean, I was trying to make a dig at Rattler, but I couldn't because I mean that would d- downplay how well Baker Mayfield's playing and how good Jalen Hurts has been playing. So uh, my joke fell flat there, just like Spencer Rattler's career has. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, but yeah, I think Kyler Murray is probably the best quarterback in college, in the NFL right now. You know, besides maybe Lamar Jackson, who had a great game Monday. Uh, Four touchdowns, 430 yards, shut down those uh, running back rumors. Funny enough, my roommate, uh, Bark, 
uh, he was actually gonna he was actually down by like twenty points in fantasy at one point, and we cut off the game because you know it was like twenty eight to nine or something, and he left. He came. He texted me in the middle of the game or when the game was uh, about to end. He said, "Hey, I'm I'm in the lead." I was like, "What?" And apparently, Lamar Jackson had like forty points. I looked at my fantasy. I had Mark Andrews, and he had forty points. I was like, "Well, holy cow!" And I think Lamar Jackson is probably going to make a push for another MVP as well. I think those are my top three picks for it. I think it's either Lamar Jackson, I think it's going to be Justin Herbert, or it's going to be Kyler Murray. And I can only put a quarterback in that scenario because I feel like quarterbacks are the only ones that can win the MVP trophy anymore, which is sad to think about. And moving on to a different team, going to go to the NFC East with the Dallas Cowboys. And Trevon Diggs is playing pretty well. He leads the league in interceptions. People are saying he should be the defensive player of the year, and I'm going to tell you why he shouldn't be defensive player of the year. Yes, he leads the league in interceptions, but he also leads the league in penalties, and he is fourth in yards allowed. Uh, and if you watched last week against the Cowboys, before Kadarius Tony got ejected for punching a player, Tony was having himself a game. I think he had almost a almost had 200 yards receiving. He had 180 something until he got uh, kicked out of the game. And most of those yards, if you saw, there was a highlight of him juking out and uh, Trevon Diggs. And I think Trevon, I think Diggs is probably one of the more overrated players right now. I think a lot of his interceptions. I know speaking about his Panthers fan, I might sound a little biased. Even his interception against the Panthers wasn't really all that well. It was a, I think it was off a tip. Last week, he had an t- interception against the Giants. It was a garbage-time interception. I just don't think he's as good as people are saying he is. I know stats are stats don't lie, but I think in, in some cases in football with corners, stats lie. I know interceptions are cool to like, oh, you're getting a lot of interceptions. That's cool. But I think once you look at you need to look at more statistics of the, how many yards he's giving up is how low is the QBR when thrown to him, how low is the completion percentage when thrown to him. And if it's not up there in the top, like, five, then you should not be looking at the defensive player of the year. I know people try to say that it's a bias towards D linemen, but Aaron Donald is going to win it every year because he is the defensive player of the year every year. He is the best player in the NFL right now, and it shows. And I don't – I think a defensive player of the year for a corner should be someone who has a few picks but is also not allowing that many yards. And if he's allowing the fourth most yards, that's not good. I don't think that's someone you should be looking at as defensive player of the year if he's giving up that many yards, if he's giving up the fourth most yards in the NFL. And I have to, looking at someone else I think is overrated, the Chiefs, what? happened to the Chiefs there is no defense in Kansas City I think they the contract they gave Patrick Mahomes at the time it sounded like a good idea because you know you'd lock him up for 10 years but they can't afford a defense they are two and three they are last in their division and they were in the Super Bowl last year and the year before that they have won a Super Bowl in the past two years and they don't look like they they're looking like they're going to struggle to get a playoff spot at this point I think the Chiefs need to reevaluate their defense. I think they need to make a push for some free agents, even if they don't have the money for it. They need to trade some players. Frank, I think Frank Clark is the one they paid a lot of money. I don't, I don't think he's playing all that well. He's very overpaid at this point because the Chiefs' defense is not able to stop anyone. And 
the defense of the offense is starting to get figured out. I think teams are starting to realize if you double cover Tyreek Hill, he's not that much of a threat. He's still getting open, but he's not performing as well as he usually does. I mean, there's no answer to stop Travis Kelsey, but there is an answer to stop Tyreek Hill, and it's working. And I find it kind of funny. Someone brought it up on Twitter, I think, that people were able to figure out Patrick Mahomes quicker than they were able to figure out Lamar Jackson. And I think that's really funny, considering the fact that Lamar Jackson is starting to move more into – he looked like an elite passer Monday, and I don't know if I'll give him that role just yet because of one game. But I, I think Lamar Jackson started to become a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes is if this year plays out like it does. Because it should, if you have an elite quarterback, he should not be able to get stopped as often as uh, what's going on with the Chiefs. And for the last four minutes of this segment, I'm going to go through my, let's see, one, two, three, four, six games I have chosen for my NFL predictions this week. Starting off with Thursday Night Football, I think it's going to be an easy pick. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Philadelphia Eagles at Philly. Tampa Bay is a seven-point favorite. Eagles are fresh off of beating my Carolina Panthers. And you know what? As much as I hate the Buccaneers, I want revenge. So I'm going with the Bucs, and I hope they win big. Uh, moving on to Sunday, we have the Vikings at the Panthers. The Minnesota Vikings are a one-point favorite. I think that the Panthers are going to win this game. I think the Vikings are a good team. I think their record does not give them any uh, justice for what's going on. But they always find ways to lose games, and I think they're going to find a way to lose to the Panthers this week. Then we have the Cardinals at Browns, which is sounds like a great game. Uh, I think the Cardinals are going to win this game. I think the Brown the Browns are favored because at Cleveland, but I think the Cardinals are going to win this game. They've looked unstoppable. This, well, they haven't looked unstoppable, but they've looked unbeatable throughout the year. You know they're undefeated, so I'm going to go with the Cardinals to keep up their undefeated streak, especially because I'd rather. If someone's going to beat the Cardinals, I want to be in Week 10 when my Panthers play them. Uh, the Chargers, they go to Baltimore to play the Ravens. We have an MVP candidate versus MVP candidate kind of thing. Baltimore is a three-point favorite. And the Chargers and Browns game this past Sunday was high scoring. I think Baltimore's defense kind of is stops them from scoring that many points. So I think the – I don't want to say the Ra- – the Chargers are going to win. I think the Chargers are going to win. I think they're just a better team overall, and I think that it's going to be a close game. It might might even be high-scoring again, but I have the Chargers. Moving on to Sunday Night Football, you got the Seahawks at Pittsburgh. Uh, If you are a fan of TNT in the morning, uh, Tar is a big Steelers fan. And with that, I'm going to go with Geno Smith and the Seahawks to beat the Steelers. Uh, Pittsburgh is a five-point favorite, but... You know what? Just for the meme, I'm picking the Seahawks. Then we have Monday Night Football. We have the Buffalo Bills at the Tennessee Titans in Nashville. Uh, Buffalo is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I think Buffalo is going to win this game. I don't think it's that big of a shock. I think Tennessee's defense has been very lackluster. I think the Bills' defense is very good, and I think they probably will have an answer to slow down this very heavy run game that the Titans have fallen towards in these past few years. But yeah, that's my that's all I have for the NFL segment. When we come back from this break, I will continue my talk with the college football and do my week seven predictions. We we'll back on here in week on ninety one point one FM in Auburn. 
Welcome back. We got about 10 more minutes left here on Tank Talks Football here on Weagle 91.1 FM in Auburn. Going to start with my week seven predictions. You know, we, it's not the best week of college football, but we have some games on here that are really fun to watch, I feel like. Starting off with the number 12 Oklahoma State Cowboys as they travel to Austin, Texas to play the Texas Longhorns. Longhorns are a five-point favorite, and after what I saw last week, I'm going to go back to saying horns down. I am going to go with the Cowboys. I think that they are right now one of my favorites to win the Big 12. I think that starts here. I think the rebuild for the Sark era in uh, Texas probably won't start until they join the SEC. But I have the Cowboys win this game. I think they've they've played iffy at times, but I think they can put it together in this game, especially because this is a key game for them to be able to, one, get in the top ten, two, make a push for that Big 12 championship spot. Uh, And here's another game. Uh, it's going to sound like a dumb game to predict, but I think it's very funny. There's not a spread on this game, and I think it's pretty easy who to pick. It's the Yale Bulldogs at the UConn Huskies. Uh, UConn has looked like one of the worst teams we have ever seen play college football. And you know what? I like chaos. Let's give it to the Ivy League school, Yale, to beat UConn. I don't feel like, I feel like the spread's probably going to be really close. But I think UConn's probably going to win this game by like one or two touchdowns. Up next, we have College Game Day's Game of the Week. We have the number 11 Kentucky Wildcats traveling to Athens to play the number one team in the nation, the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia is a 22-and-a-half-point favorite. I think Georgia wins this game, but I don't think they cover that. I think Kentucky has a good defense, and I think Kentucky's offense is good enough to where I think they'll cover the spread. I like Kentucky. I uh, like Chris Rodriguez. I feel like he's going to have – a game. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna have as good game as he's been having because you know Georgia's defense is so against the run. But I think Will Levis will make enough plays. I think the whole running back will make enough plays. I feel like if Kentucky last year the game was fourteen to three Georgia. I think we could get that very well again. These these are two very defensive oriented teams. Bob Stoops is a defensive mind. Kirby is too. This is not going to be a high-scoring game, but I have the Bulldogs winning here. Uh, then we have the number 19 BYU Cougars as they travel to Baylor, Texas to play the Bears. Baylor is a four-and-a-half-point favorite, and you know what? After what I saw from BYU, I'm not impressed with them anymore. I have my top five teams I've been most impressed with, and they're no longer on that list right now after – Losing to a 3-2 and two Boise State team. But, yeah, I'm going to go with the Bears. I feel like the Bears have been playing very well. I think they could end up making a push for the Big 12 right now. They are 4-1. and one. They're like a sneaky good team that no one was really expecting, but they are. But, yeah, I got the Bears here. And then we have the Battle of the Disappointments. Uh, the Miami Hurricanes travel to Chapel Hill to play the UNC Tar Heels. UNC is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. The key here is the quarterback situation. Of course, UNC has Sam Howell, who's still playing very good for a quarterback who has kind of had a diminished team after the draft. But Miami is without Derrick King. They have a backup in right now, and Derrick King will be out for a few weeks, actually. 
So I think this is an easy choice. I think North Carolina wins this game outright just because strictly the quarterback. The quarterback is so key here. And I put a game on here strictly so I could say this on air. Rice at UTSA. The Roadrunners, they're undefeated. Rank them, committee. They deserve it. I love group of five teams, and I think that this team is another team that should be ranked. UTSA is an 18.5-point favorite, and, of course, I think they're going to cover. Rice is probably one of the worst teams in Texas right now. Uh, Sorry, not Texas. West Arkansas, because Arkansas now owns that whole state of Texas over there. Uh, Then we have... Number 13, the Ole Miss Rebels travel to Knoxville to play the possibly good, possibly bad Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, the Vol or the Rebels are three-point favorites, and you know what? I think that's probably correct. I think that I think with how Ole Miss played last week, I think it's going to be a shootout. But I think Ole Miss prevails. I think they are the better team. They have the better scheme. I think they win by three. And then we have NC State, the number 22-ranked Wolfpack, travels to play the Boston College Eagles. NC State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And you know what? I got the Wolfpack. I like them here. I think they're also in my top two for the ACC, and I think they're going to – I think they're pretty much going to win out unless they play Wake Forest. Then we have the number 18, Arizona State Sun Devils. As they travel to Utah to play the Ute Tour. Up and coming with Cameron Rising at quarterback. I think Cameron Rising is a very good quarterback after Brewer left. ASU is only a one-point favorite here. And you know what? I like the upset. I'm going to go with the Utes. I think they've been playing very well recently. I think they're back on the rise. There's a joke there with Cameron Rising. But that's, you know. Uh, But, yeah, I think Arizona State's been playing Pretty well as well. I think they're a hot team, but they have area or they have times where they just kind of not play up to where they are. Uh, but I, of course, I, I'm very high on Utah. I was going into this year, and I think without Charlie Brewer, I thought they were gonna fall off. But it turns out no, they're not. They're actually playing pretty well with Cameron rising at quarterback now, who is I think in three games he's been playing. He has six touchdowns with no picks, which is really good for what you expect a backup quarterback to play like. And finally, we have the Auburn Tigers as they travel to Fayetteville to play the number 17 Arkansas Razorbacks. I thought it was going to be a close game. Uh, Sam Pittman, Arkansas coach, before before the game, he said, and I quote, Auburn's only two losses have been to two top seven football teams in the country. Tank Bigsby is as good as any running back in the nation. The defensive line is playing like Auburn. And Bo Nix is a superstar. Quote that. He said, Bo Nix is a superstar. I think Arkansas is probably going to win this game, though. I think they are the better team, even though they probably don't have better players than Auburn does. I think they're playing more like a team should. I think Arkansas is going to win close. I think Auburn could make a push. and Unless any uh, bogus uh, calls happen, I think Arkansas keeps the lead here, and they win outright. But yeah, that's my predictions. There were a few other games that I wanted to put. You know, I thought it'd be funny to do Alabama-Mississippi State after they lost. Because after, you know, there's one time you never want to play Alabama. It's after a loss. And I think Mississippi State fans out there, you should be praying 
right now. I feel like you should be praying that Alabama doesn't put up 50. And if they and if Mississippi State ends up winning, I'll own up to it next week. But until then, that has been Tank Talks Football. I will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. If you missed any part of the show, make sure to catch the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll be back next Wednesday at noon on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can follow the station's Twitter and Instagram at Weagle underscore AU for events, announcements, and more. If you can't make it to a radio, you can listen to our live stream at WeagleFM.com. As for me, come back next Wednesday at noon for more Tank Talks football.